Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Purple and Gold Football Talk podcast. <laughs> I am your host, James Aguirre. Joining me tonight is my co-host, Ian Anderson. Ian, how are you doing tonight? What's going on, James? Did you forget our name of the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting no, old. Alzheimer's is kicking in. Hey, I'm doing good, man. I just got done watching that Thursday night game, another fun primetime game. My boy Taylor Heineke looked good, and that was another fun game to watch. Yeah, I'm just I'm just grateful uh, McKissick sniped um, Gibson for a touchdown because I played in the fantasy this week. Uh, suck it, Sear. And then I'm also happy Slayton had a had a good game. He could have had a bigger one, but uh, 18th round Darius Slayton in best balls is not going to complain. So for uh, tonight, for this week, we're going to go into the matchups of the 49ers and Vikings for week two. Uh, the 49ers travel to Philadelphia to face the Eagles, and the Vikings travel to Arizona to face the Cardinals. And then we'll give you uh, quick picks for the rest of the games, who we think is going to win each game, and some fantasy thoughts here and there, including some thoughts I have on the DraftKings slate this weekend. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and get started. The 49ers play their second road game to open the season. They travel to Philadelphia. Now, they're currently three-point favorites. That line has not shifted much throughout the week. Um, They did open the season in Detroit. However, they elected to stay in uh, Virginia, I believe, to avoid the uh, East Coast to West Coast, East Coast travel, like they did last uh, two seasons ago, I believe, when they played the Bengals and another East Coast opponent. So they should be prepared from a flight and rest standpoint. Um, But unfortunately, on the field, they're going to be missing a few key players. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, uh, I think it was announced today, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. And then they lost, of course, Kate Brown for the season in Detroit and Ricky Mostert for the season. Recently, he had to have surgery. And instead of eight games, he's going to miss the whole season. So that, that's a real blow for them. And also, uh, they could miss again Javon Kinlaw. He didn't play in, in the Detroit game, and he has been battling a knee uh, for the early part of the season. Now, his, his absence was... Um, was noted against Detroit. In the early part of that game, they were able to have some success rushing right up the middle. And yes, the 49ers defensive line is a strong point, but part of that is because Javon Kinlaw's in there. He gives them another body. They're giving them a deep rotation. You take out one of the guys in that rotation, the whole unit obviously gets weaker. And that's going to be problematic against the Eagles because they, I mean, aside from completely demolishing Atlanta, they played at a very fast pace, and they did a good amount of no huddle in that game. And what's what's the way that you would want to attack a team with a good defensive line? You want to keep those big boys on the field. So if they're going to come out again and play with that fast pace, no huddle, uh, they're going to the 49ers' advantage on defense is going to be mitigated. Those guys are going to be staying on the field. They won't get to substitute, and they'll be less effective as the game goes on. Now, that... Um, that's going to be detrimental, I think, more in the second half. In the first half, the 49ers should be able to have some success stopping Jalen Hurts in the offense. But as the game goes on and uh, the Eagles get more snaps and possessions, that defensive line is going to wear thin and that secondary is going to be more and more exposed. And the secondary was an issue coming into the season. And now they lost arguably their best corner in Barrett. They've made some acquisitions since then. Even contacted the Vikings about one of their players. Um, <laughs> what's his name? I'm sorry. Cam, Cam Dantzler, second year. 
Yeah, Cam Dantzler. They're, they're, they've even tried to uh, trade for him, apparently. So it's going to be an issue against Philly. Um, if you listen to our first episode, I am pretty... Uh, maybe not pretty high is the right word because the entire division sucks. It was just kind of like <laughs> processed by elimination. But I think Philly is better than most people is. And part of that is because of the um, their uh, defensive line. Um, if you listen to Kyle, one of Kyle Shan's press conferences throughout the week, they asked him about Philly's defensive line. And to sum it up, he pretty much said he felt like he was back in Washington watching film uh, against Philly. Uh, Brandon... Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, they're still very good players, and they make everybody around them better. So, good thing for the Niners, their offensive line played one of their probably best games of the past two years against Detroit. Granted, it was Detroit, but in particular, Mike McGlinchey, he probably had the best game of his career in that game. So, it's good that they were able to get off to a strong start against Detroit, but Philadelphia is a much tougher animal. Um, Going into the 49ers' offensive side of the ball, the way the best thing that you can do to help your defense, they got to sustain drives. And in order to do that, this might sound cliche or obvious, but they got to they got to keep out of obvious passing situations on third down. Because while Garoppolo can navigate a pocket at times, you don't want him in third and eight constantly with the defense knowing they have to throw. That's just you really don't want to, you really don't want to put him in that position. So Shanahan's gonna have to have his best game plan early and often. They're going to have to have success on first and second to have manageable thirds and keep the defense guessing. Um, if they, if Philadelphia can win first and second down, it, it could be a, a long, a long day for the 49ers. And um, a real, uh, a quick thought that I had is, let's say like the um, the Eagles are able to contain the Niners' offense in the first half. They go into the second half and they're up like 21 to seven. And Garoppolo just getting teed off on by the defensive line. I wonder if we see Trey Lance come in this game and try to provide the offense with a spark. That'd be pretty interesting. I know he had the finger prior to week one, but he dressed. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I could be mistaken, but he he was the quarterback to back up Garoppolo. So if Jimmy got hurt, it was going to be him for the whole game, which tells me they're fine with him starting the whole game if he had to, which means that finger should be good. So... That'll be something to look out for in that game if the 49ers fall down early, <clears throat> if they tra- if they turn to Lance to provide a spark. Uh, one more thought I had on the game. It's very interesting that they face a player like Jalen Hurts because the mobile quarterbacks have given the Shanahan team problems ever since he got there. Um, you've got, even in the 2019 season, Kyler Murray gave him two very, very close games during their Super Bowl run. Um, obviously, Russell Wilson has killed killed them for years. Uh, last year, you saw Josh Allen absolutely decimate them on Monday Night Football, which, by the way, <laughs> the Niners and Nick Mullins were two-and-a-half-point favorites over that Buffalo team. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. Like, everyone lost their mind on that game, and I, I won some money that week. I hope other people did, too. But, um, yeah, and then, obviously, you saw in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes just absolutely wrecked him in the fourth quarter of that game. So this is part of the reason I think he ultimately decided to go with someone like Trey Lance over Mac Jones in the draft because he's seen what this type of player can do for an offense, just provide unlimited upside. And now he gets another one in Jalen Hurts. So if um, he's going to have, if Kinlaw misses again, they're going to have success running on the ground. Miles Sanders should have another good game. And then 
the secondary will be exploited via Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz. So it's going to be an issue for the 49ers. Their offense is going to have to score points because the defense will seed them eventually. That Ian, you got any thoughts on the game? Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start off by saying I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers in this game. I like the Eagles a lot better than I thought I would, but I know Jason Verrett is out, so. You know, the Eagles player to watch definitely is the rookie wide receiver, Devontae Smith, who had a pretty good game against not so good defense in, in Atlanta. Um, Raheem Mostert, like you said, is out, but Elijah Mitchell definitely carried the ball well. Maybe we'll see some Trey Sermon this this weekend, which I hope I like Trey Sermon, so I'm hoping to see him a little bit. Um, but I think the biggest key to this game is George Kittle. Last year, Kittle caught 15 passes on 15 targets for 183 yards and a touchdown versus the Phillies Phillies linebackers last year. I think that that is a huge matchup to watch. Um, and you know, I saw I saw kind of a, an interesting stat. This this has to do with Jalen Hurts, who looks really good. And you were right, Philly looks a lot better than I thought they would. I might be switching up my pick for that division. Who knows? But, I hope it's locked in. That's locked in. All right. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) I did write it down in our little thing. But uh, Jalen Hurts has more regular season 300-yard passing games in five career starts than Lamar Jackson has in 38 career starts. And, yes, Lamar Jackson is a huge running quarterback, but I thought for – Jalen Hurts has two. Jalen Hurts has two 30-yard passing games in five career starts, and Lamar Jackson has one. 300-yard passing game in 38 career starts. The reason I thought that was so crazy to see is because in the MVP season, I, I, I would have expected this. I, I just assumed, you know, that that would have been. But maybe he was throwing for 250 and rushing for 100. I don't know. But It was a high touchdown efficiency. He had like a 9.9 touchdown rate, which is the mm-hmm. best since Manning in 04. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um but that's just a, a fun fact that I saw when I was looking up the game. But uh, I don't know if you saw Bart Scott. He bet his eyebrow that the 49ers will beat the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have to put my money with Bart Scott, and I'm going with the 49ers to beat the Eagles this weekend. Well, you know what? I'm an Eagle fan, so I would love to see him shave that thing. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I I mean, they, I'm not going to discount them. They are three-point favorites, and that line has held throughout the week. So the betting market thinks that the line is fine. Um, you know, you had Bosa and D4 played. D4 was an all-pro pass rusher against Detroit. Bosa was his normal self. So, yeah, they could definitely contain Hurts and wreak havoc and cause some mistakes, help out their secondary. And uh, something Jimmy Garoppolo said about Kyle Shannon's play calling, he said he was just in the zone, like he was feeling it. And what that did for Garoppolo, he actually said, like, the game felt really slow for him. And it was it was easily his best game he's played as a 49er. I, I take it even above the Saints game, to be honest. I mean, maybe not. Maybe that's just recency bias. But he played extremely well. And they're going to have to keep that up if they want to um, win this game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. So shifting gears, let's go to the desert where, the, where Minnesota travels to face Arizona. Um they are currently three and a half point underdogs. Minnesota is and opened at four and a half, five in some books. So uh, people are betting Minnesota. Books are adjusting. Ian, what do you think of the game? 
So I started out the season 0-1. I picked the Vikings to beat the Bengals. Um, I'm hoping that I'm wrong in my pick tonight. I am going to pick the Arizona Cardinals to beat my Vikings. And uh, just some some things that I saw when I was doing some research. And uh, I saw uh, a tweet from Courtney Cronin. It said, 50 of the 59 teams in Super Bowl era to begin the season with two losses, both on the road, all missed the playoffs, including the 2013 Vikings. Now, I get it. Everyone can say it's only week two. It's only week two. This is a this this does definitely feel like a must-win game for the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, and like you said about uh, Kyle Shanahan and the defense, you know, Kyle the def- the San Francisco 49ers defense struggling with um, running quarterbacks, elusive quarterbacks. That's been Mike Zimmer's kryptonite since he's been in Minnesota. Uh, we cannot contain quarterbacks that can run. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson's like nine and zero against the Vikings or something like that, and we're going in to Arizona. Kyler Murray's coming off a huge game. Um, Everson Griffin has a concussion. He might be out for the game. Anthony Barr is probably going to be out for the game again. Eric Kendricks now is on the injury report with a quad injury. I'm seeing, I'm hearing he might have to have an MRI done on that. So I don't know, but you made a good point earlier. Arizona doesn't really use their tight end, so maybe that won't be a huge issue, but you know, if Nick Vigil's the number one linebacker for Minnesota I I I hope Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce can eat up the run game um, or lack thereof of Arizona but um, and I was looking forward to seeing some pro football focus grades for Minnesota and once I saw them I mean it was exactly what I expected from the Minnesota offensive line <laughs> um, like I said in the in our other episode post game, I would give them all a zero. So I'm just going to list off the, the grades for the Minnesota Vikings offensive line going against a defensive line that just destroyed Tennessee Titans O-line Chandler Jones. I said it a million times last podcast. He had five sacks and he's going up against Brian O'Neill, who had the best grade on the Minnesota Vikings offensive line with a 79 overall with zero pressures. That's why we just ex- we just gave him a huge contract extension. He is definitely the best O-lineman on this Vikings team and possibly one of the top right tackles in the league. Now going to the second highest grade was Ole Udo, our right guard, with a 59 overall rating with one pressure. <laughs> Rashad Hill was third. He's our left tackle with a 47 overall rating. He gave up two pressures. And then Ezra Cleveland, the left guard with a 49 overall and three pressures. And then there's our center, Garrett Bradbury, who I was so high on drafting him in the first round out of NC State a couple years ago, has been terrible, and he was given a whopping 27 overall rating by Pro Football Focus with four pressures allowed on Kirk Cousins. Now, this defensive line just destroyed Tennessee's offensive line, and I, I expect them to do something very similar to Minnesota's offensive line this this week. I think Kirk Cousins was given, I think, an average of two seconds to throw the ball before uh, a defensive line lineman from Cincinnati or one of his offensive linemen was in his face because we cannot push at all in the trenches on O-line, and I expect to see a lot more of that. I, I'm hoping I'm wrong. Um, 
I hope I'm being too harsh on the Vikings. They're, I think that this week, Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook are going to have much better games. I think we're going to open up at the offense a little bit more, but I just don't think that the Vikings are going to be able to um, be able to stop Kyler Murray. But well, again, I, I really hope I'm wrong. D Hop looked so good against Tennessee, and the Vikings defensive backs were pretty suspect against a very young wide receiver core and Joe Burrow on Sunday. So, but who knows? This is Patrick Peterson's big return to Arizona. Maybe he'll have a huge game and shut down DeAndre Hopkins to one catch for five yards. I I doubt it. Um, But I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I love my Vikings, but I'm going to have to go with Arizona in this game. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm kind of inclined to agree with the betting market here. Maybe I'm just not. Maybe maybe I'm not adjusting too much for Minnesota this year, but I'm still not that big of a believer in uh, the Cardinals. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm not judging too much for. I thought I said Minnesota. Never mind. Maybe I'm just not that big believer in the Cardinals and Kyler Murray still because uh, I think that. You know, despite your your misgivings of Zimmer, he's still a good head coach. <laughs> Their own one, historically own one teams have been bet on teams in week two uh, because they're going to be more desperate for a win, so they try harder. Um, and uh, I just I don't know how are they going to. I think they'll be able to get Dalvin Cook going. Uh, there was a big, a lot of people were high in Tennessee last week because the Cardinal secondary is absolutely atrocious. Like one of their starting corners was a converted running back, I believe. Yeah, that's how that's bad true. it was, and that doesn't bode well against uh, Thielen and Jefferson. And uh, you know, Cousins, he can if he has time. Now I know Chandler Jones and Berserk, but I mean that Tennessee team's not very good. Let's just be honest. Their play caller sucked. Like he was totally lost. They really missed Arthur Smith. Uh, they have they have very good skill guys. Not much else around them. Tannehill's okay. So if if they can formulate a game plan to stop Chandler Jones, give Cousins time, he's gonna he'll be able to move the ball with Thielen, Jefferson, Cook will be able to get some on the ground, and I think I think they can move the ball on this team now. The defensive side is a completely different issue. Uh, Murray's probably the best athlete at quarterback in the league. Uh, maybe Justin Fields is better, but I mean Murray, he's just so shifty, you know, like slippery. You can't you can't really like uh, hit him, <laughs> and then. His arm is just so big, like it. I I, I hate to throw out these like hyperbolic uh, comparisons, but it reminds me somewhat of Michael Vick, where he could just flick his wrist, the ball goes 50 yards. For a small guy, Murray's got a really big arm. So, I mean, I would be worried about the Cardinals' passing attack against against the Vikings' secondary, but I, I just think Minnesota will be slightly more prepared for this game. Uh, I I would lean towards a three and a half. From a betting standpoint, and I actually think they have a good chance to pull off the upset here. You know, I, I hope you, I hope you're right. I hope I'm being too hard on them, and you're absolutely right that um, Arizona's secondary is not that good. But, I, um, you know, is Eli Apple better than everybody that Arizona has? You know, Eli Apple, Eli Apple is the starting corner of um, Cincinnati, but they just weren't prepared for Cincinnati. I do think that they bounce back and. Mike Zimmer is more prepared for this game. Um, but 
if they can give Cousins some time, I mean, he's proven to be a very good quarterback when given time. And he's, I believe in the past couple of years, he's been one of the top quarterbacks in bootleg. I only saw one bootleg pass in last week's game. And um, I brought this up in our last podcast, but Matthew Stafford on that first drive, when he threw that huge bomb on the bootleg, that's what I want to see to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. That's what I want to see. Everyone knows who these players are. Everyone knows Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are, they can catch the ball better than most and they can get open. They run better routes than most. So I'm hoping that they do bounce back and they are more prepared, but it all comes down to the O-line. The O-line has to be better. Minnesota Vikings O-line has to be better. Garrett Bradbury has to be better. Um, Rashad Hill, he needs to play better until Christian Derisaw gets in there. But I hope you're right. I hope that I am 0-2 in my picks. I hope the Vikings go in and win. Skull. Yeah, so just a skull. Just to recap, uh, I'm actually taking the Eagles to beat the Niners. Ian has the Niners. I'm going to pick the Vikings to beat the Cardinals. Ian has the Cardinals. So Are we ever going to agree on anything? Probably not. Uh, I got the underdogs. Ian has the chalk favorites. We'll see who who comes out ahead. Uh, So for the rest of the games, we're just going to do kind of rapid fire here. See uh, who we think is going to win each each game. Uh, I'll just name off the game. You can say Sans or two if you like, or you can just tell me who you think is going to win. So the first one, New Orleans travels to Carolina. New Orleans is three and a half point favorite. New Orleans. I got New Orleans. I hey, Jameis is rolling. Let's go. I'm going to take Carolina. I like that young defense. I think they're going to get to Winston this time. Uh, Houston at Cleveland. Cleveland's a 12.5 point favorite. Uh, Cleveland. Cleveland. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cleveland. Enough said. Uh, Cincinnati at Chicago. Chicago is a one point favorite. So two, two in most spots. This actually goes between one and three. I see. Lines everywhere. I like Chicago at home. Um, I think they're going to play a lot better against the Bengals than Minnesota did. I'm taking Chicago. Yeah, I, I feel like Cincinnati is going to be a team. I'm not going to get right all year, but I'm taking them here to beat Chicago. Uh, Las Vegas at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is six-point favorites. I uh, love what the Raiders did. I love what I saw out of uh, Derek Carr, but Steel Curtain, that defense is good, very good, especially at home. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I expect Juju to have a wonderful game. Yeah, so for what it's worth, I would take Carr over Ben. I think most people would at this point in Ben's career, but it's a tough spot for them. Monday night win, traveling to the East Coast. Uh, I'll take Pittsburgh to to beat them. Buffalo at Miami. Buffalo is a three-point favorite. I'm going with my MVP pick, Josh Allen. I like him. I think that he goes into... Miami and gets his first win of the season. Yeah, I'll take Buffalo too. Uh, I, I, I saw a stat the other day. Uh, Josh Allen does nothing but score 30 fantasy points against the Dolphins. So that's pretty interesting. <laughs> hey, I need that. Or no, I don't have him in our league. Never mind. So yeah. I'm pretty sure Lowe's he scored in that, in that stat was 30. <laughs> that's pretty Wow. Uh, the Rams travel to the Indianapolis Colts. Rams are three and a half point favorites. Yep, I'm taking the Rams. I don't. I don't like what I I didn't like what I saw out of the Colts at all. Um, I like the Rams defense in this game, and I do not like the Colts offense. 
Yeah, I'm still not sure Wentz is 100% healthy, if he's going to be effective until a few weeks from now. So I'm taking the Rams to go 2-0. Uh, we already did San Francisco and Philly. Uh, Denver at Jacksonville. Denver is the six-point favorite on the road. Oh, I'm taking me some Denver Broncos running backs in this game. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in my fantasy picks, but I am definitely taking the Denver Broncos to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, six points is a lot to lay with Denver on the road. I would I don't think I'd bet this game, but then again, maybe maybe if you if you are betting, you wouldn't want to miss a chance to bet against Urban Meyer at less than a touchdown. He seems like a he's not doing so well to start his NFL career. Uh, give me Denver to win. I, I really don't have an opinion on the spread. Uh, New England at New York. Jets, that is. New England is a five-and-a-half, six-point favorite. This might be the most exciting New England Patriots-Jets game that's happened in many years. I think this is going to be fun. But I think Mac Jones gets his first win as a starter in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think New England could win something like 27-3. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm taking New England. They opened as, I think, I saw a line earlier, three-and-a-half New England. That was like on Tuesday. Now they're up to six. So it's a pretty big move. Um, Minnesota at Arizona. We did that one. Atlanta at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a 12 and a half point favorite. Yeah. I. This is Tom Brady all the way. The Buccaneers run away with this game. Yeah. I, I can't pick Atlanta to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they kept it close because it's a divisional game and crazy shit happens I, and we've seen it before uh, last year i think atlanta didn't they lead like by two touchdowns in the game against tampa bay at one point they they had a lead at some point i know that but tampa came back to win i'm picking tampa but i'm not gonna be surprised if atlanta keeps it close yeah it is a divisional game and you're right atlanta did have a lead last year but they had a lead in like every game that they lost last year yeah double true. digit lead in every but yeah buccaneers okay uh, Tennessee at Seattle. Seattle's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. After what I saw from both teams, Tennessee does not look good. Derrick Henry might have a bounce-back game, but from what I saw from Seattle, I got to go with Seattle. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Seattle, too. Um, I Tennessee's just not good right now, like you said. I got to see their offense get together before I can trust them, so give me Seattle at home. Dallas at the Chargers. Um, it, the Chargers are a three and a half point favorite. I, I'm really excited to watch this game. I wish it wasn't at the same time as the Vikings game, but um, I think this is going to be a very fun game to watch. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers. Sorry, Dallas. I know I picked you to win your division, but you're going to go 0-2. Justin Herbert's going to have a big game. <laughs> yeah, so I actually saw a uh, Chargers favored by two earlier in the week. So this crossed the key number three, which is pretty big. Oh, I think I know why that is, is because, well, it could it be a factor? I don't know. But Demarcus, Demarcus Lawrence broke his ankle. Yeah, that, 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 that could be a thing. Maybe he's worth a half point or a point. But to go through a, a key number is that, that means like a lot of people are betting the Chargers or influential money's betting the Chargers. I'm going to agree with them. Uh, I just don't think Dallas has a defense to stop the Chargers when they need one, whereas I expect Dallas to score points, but I trust the Chargers to get a stop more at some point in this game because of the guys they have on defense. So give me the Chargers. Kansas City at Baltimore. Kansas City is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. 
Well, I don't think I'm ever going to pick against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that every single week I will pick them, and I will do that today. Um, this is always a fun matchup. This is always a fun matchup. And, um, you know, two MVP quarterbacks, they're always high-scoring games. It's the fourth straight season. They play each other. Jackson hasn't – Lamar hasn't beaten Pat yet. Um, he is a – he has a great record against everybody else in the league, but he can't beat them. Um, yep, I I can't pick against Kansas City, man. I, I got to take them. Yeah, I, uh, I was going to say that this game is always exciting, but it always ends in the Chiefs win. Uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs as well. They were less than less than three-point favorites earlier in the week, and now they're three and a half. That's another move uh, through the three. Um, I hope you grab KC at less than a field goal because that's got to be a good bet against any team in the league. Um, I'm, I'm going with Kansas City. They just had uh, Lamar Jackson's number since he's been in the league. And, um, yeah, I think they're going to win. Um, keep their winning streak alive. And money night again. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with that. I think that the Green Bay Packers bounce back tremendously. Aaron Rodgers is going to look like Aaron Rodgers again. And they're going to play much better at home. But you never know. It's a division game. And the Lions love to play Green Bay very well. Sometimes even comes down to some bad calls by the refs. But we <laughs> won't get into that. But, yep, I'm taking Green Bay to cover. Yeah, uh, I'll take I'll take Green Bay to win as well. It's, I, I just, they're, they're going to bounce back. That, that could be the one loss we look at week 12 and be like oh wow green bay really got killed that week that was weird um i think they bounce back here i think they get back on track get in the win column and uh get get on with the rest of the season all right so that was our uh our quick picks for the whole sunday monday slate and now we're gonna go into some uh, fantasy thoughts so ian i'll let you start this one off you had some things you wanted to share about certain players so go ahead and take it away yeah, I'm just going to share who I think um, if if they are available or if they're on your bench. Uh, some of these players might not be available, but I think these are some some key players that you should think about picking up or starting this week. I'm going to start with my quarterback pick for the week, and that's Justin Herbert against the Dallas Cowboys. Again, um, Demarcus Lawrence broke his foot, so they're not going to have as good of a pass rush. Um, it's home. It's the home opener for Justin Herbert. He just had a pretty good game against a very good defense in Washington. I expect Justin Herbert to have 350-plus passing yards and three touchdowns at least. That's my pick for the quarterback. For running back, Melvin Gordon going up against Jacksonville Jaguars defense, who just gave up a touchdown to all three running backs for the Houston Texas Texans. Sorry, uh, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, and David Johnson each scored a touchdown. Um, Melvin Gordon looked a lot better than I thought he would. Some may say, oh, it was just the Giants, but he looked good. I expect him to have around 80 yards and two touchdowns, a couple of receptions. Um, wide receiver, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I probably will never say that again, but Green Bay is going to have a bounce-back game. Devontae Adams is not the only receiver on that team, contrary to popular belief. I think that he is going to have a huge game this weekend um, along with the, the rest of the, the team. 
Aaron Rodgers will have a bounce back game and throw a pot to his number two guy, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, and then for the tight end position, call me crazy. Call me crazy, but I'm taking Cole Komet. If, if Cole Komet is available and you don't have a great tight end like me with Austin Hooper, I would highly recommend looking at Cole Komet um, at home against the Rams. The Rams defense is great. I think they're going to lock down Allen Robinson. Jalen, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Jalen Ramsey and Allen Robinson. Um, I think that Cole Komet could have a pretty good game. A couple of receptions, about 50 yards and a touchdown. Defensive-wise, if Buccaneers are available somehow or you have them, they're a start over Atlanta, I'd say. That's my fantasy for my fantasy pick for the defense. So that's some fantasy picks for me this week. Um, there was another person I had down, Kenny Galladay. Uh, he would have had a much bigger game if he could catch that ball. <laughs> Amazing throw by Daniel Jones. But, oh well. But, yep, those are my fantasy picks for the week. See, we're, we're never going to lie to you because he could have totally not mentioned he liked Kenny Galladay tonight after his done. But we are people, we are men of the people and truthful and honest and all that great stuff. Uh, I'm going to talk about the DraftKings slate a little bit. Uh, not not pretty much not so much this slate in particular, just more DraftKings strategy in general. Uh, so the best thing that I could say is, uh, and this is just something that other people have, have said as well. I agree with. It's to simplify your process as much as possible. Meaning, find find two or three things that you value, and just make your teams and exposures based on that. What I what I do is um and before you ask who the hell are you um I I have won a, t- a tournament on DraftKings I won a, fo- a football tournament last year and then I won two baseball tournaments on DraftKings since I've been playing so I have had some success I'm just not some idiot who burns money every week I mean I am but not as big <laughs> an idiot as you think uh, so what I like to do is I just go to uh, rotogrinders.com there's a free plug go to their lineup hq for nfl and then you'll see like the quarterback position um you don't even have to be a paid member just have an account if you scroll to the right in in the table that you see you'll see total it has their team total right there sort by that and there you go just pick pick some teams that are green and pick like three or four of them and you'll naturally have one of them that's going to be lower owned than they should. And that'll give you leverage on the field. And at the same time, all your teams will have a pretty good projection because they're all projected to score a lot of points. Um, it, it's really that simple. Like you can get into the minutia of who's missing offensive linemen. Uh, what does this team like to run here? Uh, who has a bad slot cornerback? But all, it doesn't. It doesn't move the needle as much as you think. Uh, if you really want to be a good fantasy player, then the best thing I can the best thing I can tell you to get is a set of projections. Now, uh, there's a small hack here. ESPN has projections. Granted, they, I don't think they're listed at a table like this. You have to go manually like into the app and see what guys projected for. But you can use ESPN's projections. Uh, 
put it together all on your own and see who who's going to be like one of the top running backs of the week, the top quarterbacks. Um, it's not it. They're they're fairly. I, I'll say they're fairly decent, and using those is better than using nothing. So that um, that's probably the best thing you can do for yourself instead of trying to figure out like who has an advantage here, who likes to run what play or whatever. The projections account for most of that. And anything it doesn't account for, you either can't quantify because it's such a small sample or it, it could it could go this way or that way. So you don't really factor it in. So for the slate this week in particular, um, I can tell you right now that the Cowboys and Chargers is probably going to be one of the most popular games of the week. And I'm looking at the team totals on Roto-Grinders right now. And yes, the game does have a 55-point total, I believe. But um, two, three. the Chargers have the fourth highest implied team total. And the Cowboys have the 13th highest. So right there, there's an opportunity for some leverage there. Now, I do think it has a good chance to go over that 55 because the Cowboys pass so much and the Chargers can be very efficient. But if you decide to not play that game, there's several other quality teams that you can stack and get leverage on the field if the Cowboys and Chargers does not play out as everyone thinks it will. So you got the Bucks actually with the highest implied team total at 32 points. And I'll be honest, I haven't really heard much people talking about them in like in podcasts and content throughout the week. So if you can get the top uh, team, the top projected team of the slate at the lowest ownership, that's an easy tournament play every every day of the week. Even if it doesn't work out, even if you lose this week, if the Bucks flop, it's a sound process because you're taking a team that's lower owned than they should be and you are playing them in, instead of a team that's higher owned than they should be. Uh, DFS is not a game of football with math. It's a game of math based around football. Uh, it, it doesn't do you any service to think in absolutes. You have to think in probabilities. So, yes, the Cowboys and Chargers could be the highest scoring game of the week. But how often does that happen? And how often does everyone else think it happens? If everyone else thinks it happens more than it actually happens, then there's something to gain by not playing that game. And vice versa, if the field doesn't think it happens as much as it does happen, then you have uh, something to gain by playing that. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't play that game just because they're going to be overowned. You can still make good lineups with Cowboys and Chargers. You just have to be mindful that you're going to have to get different in the rest of your lineup. So, uh, to, to summarize, I do like the Cowboys-Chargers game. You just have to try to pick players who are going to be lower owned for the rest of your lineup. Like, if you're stacking the Cowboys and Chargers, you probably can't play Najee Harris in that lineup. He's going to be one of the highest owned running backs of the week. Because I don't know if you heard, but he played 100% of the snaps week one. Um, so you have to you have to look for a differentiation elsewhere in your lineup if you want to shoot for first. Likewise, if you want to completely fade that game, I like the Rams and Colts. I think that game could shoot out. And I think the Bills and Dolphins has a sneaky potential shootout. I mentioned earlier, Josh Allen has done nothing but score 30 fantasy points all of his games against the uh, Dolphins. And I think most people see the Dolphins as like a slow defensive team, but they actually played with a pretty good pace in week one. And that uh, continues from last year when Tua started to play. They played at a pretty decent pace. So 
you could see more plays than people expect, and you could see some back and forth in that game with the passing offenses. And then the uh, for for like a individual player that I like that's not going to be very high owned, it's uh, Nick Chubb. Uh, like we said, the Browns are 12 point favorites against the Texans. I saw a tweet that said uh, Chubb averages 21 DraftKings points when the Browns are favored and 14 when they're underdogs. So I hope that the lack of a passing game role keeps people off of him. I think it will. And I think he can go for, he has 152 touchdown upside in this game. So those are my quick thoughts on the, on the DFS slate this week. Um, just think in terms of probabilities, not absolutes, and try to do something the field isn't to give your best chance to hit this place. I hope I didn't lose anybody with that. I can, I can talk about it more uh, later on in future episodes. Well, I will say um, I just lied to everybody that is listening. I probably just confused everybody. I said that uh, Allen Robinson was going to be covered by Jalen Ramsey. That is not the case. <laughs> they are oh, yeah. not playing. They are not playing the Rams two weeks in a row. I'm sorry that this was a dumpster fire. I, I apologize. I was a liar. The Bears are playing the Bengals. I still am taking my my pick with Cole Komet in that game. I'm not going to back down just because I lied about the matchup. Um, the Rams are playing the Colts, not the Bears, two weeks in a row. All right. Good, good to know, Ian. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so to sum up, I like uh, I, I like Matthew Stafford as a lower-owned quarterback. Uh, Nick Chubb as a lower-owned running back. And I think Brandon Ayuk could get off the schneid this week. I think he'd go for 820 and a touchdown here. So I like... Burn I if you're looking for less than five percent on wide receiver for your life. Um, Ian, do you have any closing thoughts about week two? Anything we talked about? Yeah, you know, in our last podcast, uh, Mike ended with a bold prediction, and his bold prediction was that Darren Waller would break the single season reception record. I'm gonna go ahead and do a bold prediction for week two. And my bold prediction is that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both will finish this week as top 10 running backs for fantasy each i like it. i like it. I li- that's I like my it. that's my bold prediction going in to week two yeah i think i think that's bold enough uh i'll, I'll stick with my iu call eight for 120 and touchdown with 10 targets uh, i think his hamstring is suddenly going to be far better this week and he's gonna i think he's gonna go off just don't blame me when you start him and he and he has six points or a zero like I did last week. Or a zero. Yeah, it's not my fault. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Uh, if you like what we're doing, please uh, leave a comment if you so wish. Rate and subscribe. Uh, download the episodes, too. That means a lot. Uh, ask us a question if you want or leave a rating. We might we might read it on the show, depending on the vulgarity of it. Um, but, yeah, if you like what we're doing, that's how you can support us. So, For Ian, my name is James. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football.